Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Paul Pocky Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thanks for listening. Appreciate it, buddy. We're back. Uh, we didn't come in Monday, but that's because of our guest, and uh, we wanted to get, bring somebody on, and Tuesday made sense for everybody. And uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. PaulPocky.com. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher app. Wherever you get a pod, uh, podcatcher on, a, on the Droid platform, get it on there. And uh, subscribe, review us, uh, all that. We thanks very much for, uh, for listening. The number two, UNDR, the best men's underwear out there. Use the code FERRARO20 to save yourself money on uh, the best underwear out there, like I said. And a lot of NHL guys run it, and, uh, and it's great. So, please, thanks to those guys for, for the support. Uh, with me on the line, of course, 18-year NHLer, now TSN and uh, NBC Sports analyst Ray Ferrara. What's up, Ray? How are you? Uh, very little. I'm actually in Edmonton today. I uh, got Oilers and uh, Leafs, which is pretty. You know, a year ago wouldn't have brought too much excitement, but yeah. this year I think is probably as uh, as entertaining two teams as you could get. And it's McDavid against Toronto again after he got knocked around in Toronto. So. Uh, Everybody's looking forward to this tonight for sure. Yeah, I can't wait till the uh, Selkie Trophy winner Nazem Kadri shuts him down again. Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Uh, well, hey, let's get right to our guest. Uh, uh, we're we're happy to have him. It's it's great to get you two back reunited, and it feels so good. From NHL tonight, <laughs> ESPN's John Butchigrass. What's up, John? How are you? Hello, boys. I'm doing doing well here in Connecticut. It's a great slate of uh, it's a great time of year, and uh, I'm excited. The hockey's really starting to get warmed up. Yeah, no doubt. And thanks for flying the flag there at ESPN for hockey. Love it. Uh, definitely a column I read uh, whenever I can, and as well Sports Center, of course. And uh, um, it's great. Um, first of all, though, John, how's it feel to be back on sort of on the air with Ray Ferraro, the great Chicken Parm? No, it feels great. Those were the salad days. Uh, we both had more salad, and we were talking <laughs> hockey uh, every night. I mean, people forget NHL. Tonight was really a landmark show for uh, for hockey fans. There had never been a nightly highlight show. I don't think there even was in Canada when we started. I mean, you know, people in Canada would get the illegal cable so they could watch us. And we had fun. I think we gave a different approach, less re- reverence, more fun, more current, bad clothes, lowercase <laughs> graphics, you know, the whole thing. And so I, I think it was a show that I'm proud of and that – and. And so glad to be a part of it. Like I said, it was a landmark deal. Uh, internet video was terrible mm-hmm. at that time. It wasn't good. You, it was really the only place to get really good NHL highlights on a nightly basis. Now, John, I'm guessing Ferraro got on. Like Ray, you were still playing, right? And you were making cameos? Yeah. I was, um, I was playing for the Rangers. I got traded to L.A. And um, uh, the coordinating producer for ESPN2 at the time was this great Ranger fan, Barry Sachs. And uh, he saw me apparently do the, this interview where I called Dale Hunter a jerk after he was here Turgeon. And he thought that I would, you know, that I would maybe have a chance to do this. And um, so when I got traded to L.A., I got a phone call. Would you like to come and do a, a round in the studio? And I didn't know what I was doing. I went there. I was with Melrose and Bill Pito at the time, who was just an unbelievable character. Bucci would <laughs> be able to attest to, to, to Billy Pito. And um, I think it was about a year later, uh, Bucci came on board. And um, as far as being a great friend, he, what he did, I, I always remember this, he, he kind of took you out of your comfort zone a little bit. Uh-huh. He, would, he would say to me, like, okay, after the break, I'm going to ask you something about Pittsburgh's power play. And I'd say, like, what is it? And he'd go, no, no, I, don't, I want you to react. <laughs> so you had to learn to think right. on your feet. Because I wasn't a broadcaster. I was yeah. a player, right? And so it was, it was really helpful. He, he's right, though. That show was so much fun. And it, honestly, it was so good. I think the NHL, without even really knowing it, is trying to replicate that again and try to find some fun in the game that we had just kind of naturally. It's funny, John, uh, and you've, 
you know, you never know what you're going to get with a player. Like, I've interviewed a ton of them for, for this podcast show uh, when, when Ray couldn't come on last year. And some of them are uh, entertaining and exciting to talk to, but some of them you really don't know. Like, some of these guys, they just play the game. It's natural. They, they don't, can't really explain how they do it. Um, but I guess right away, Bucci, with Ferraro, you were probably like, wow, this guy, this guy really gets it. Yeah, you have to you have to have a good mind, and you have to have a, a nimble mind and a curious mind. And yeah, the guys who interview well, they get the first shots at analyst jobs. That's where it starts. Um, but it always doesn't translate, um, and at least right away. I remember I had Keith Jones's first intermission, and he was a great interview uh, for local media and for national media. But the first time he came on with me, he completely froze. He was sweating. <laughs> we went to commercial. He goes, "Boy, that's a lot harder than it looks." And he realized that when you're a player, your shirt's off. You're sweating. You're in your comfort zone. You, 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 you know, you, the testosterone is flowing. You got adrenaline. But when you're on TV, you're in a suit. You got makeup. You're framed up. Okay, go say something interesting in 14 seconds. You, you, you know, you can't talk mm-hmm. for four minutes, and we'll take the best 19 seconds for a soundbite. So uh, Jones, he went back to work. Went back to Philly. Did local stuff. Came back just like on the ice. Figured it out. And just you know, Ray and, and Jones, you were a lot alike in terms of players too. They knew where to go to score. Ray had more talent. Ray was quicker. Ray was faster. Uh, but, you know, Jonesy just kind of knew where to go, and, and Ray knows where to go, and they, and they under because they're smart and, and they're uh, nimble, they can figure out how TV works. Then they realize, okay, I knew where to go to score goals. I know I can figure out how to do TV well, and that's what they've both done. Yeah, it was uh, it was a, yeah, like you guys said, it was a great great show, great in the heyday to uh, to have it on ESPN every night, and uh, this of course when ESPN was carrying NHL games, it was uh, and of course the legendary chicken parm incident, Bucci, that you still yeah, that's, that's what you call him, that's, that's him, that's Ray's name, that's him because if Bucci wasn't a jackass, nobody would have known about it. <laughs> yeah, because Ray and I would get chicken parm a lot. This local place called Volturno's, and it got changed to the Vinci's, and it was a Right across the street from ESPN, really good parm for like eight ninety nine, big old slab, big piece, some pasta on the side, and we would get it. But one night, you know, we got it, but and he the had problem a shirt on, no utensils. What's that? <laughs> no utensils. utensils. That, that's a problem too. But Ray had his dress shirt on. I go, Ray, you really, really flirt with danger here. Usually, we eat this with our t-shirts and stuff, and then sure. we get ready for the show. And sure enough, he dropped a piece. It fell into the plate. This tsunami of marinara came. <laughs> Towering over his white crisp shirt and just all over that crisp white Van Heusen shirt of his, and uh, and so he had a giant spot of marinara. So this is why he was playing. So we went when he went back to the thrash. Mm -hmm. I uh, I just kind of dropped. You know, I started to call him Chicken Parm just from that incident. And he's Italian. I'm Italian. Just kind of a just a nickname because nicknames are always fun and it's a a dying thing in sports. So he quickly became Chicken Parm. And when he went through airports, at least in America. People start screaming out chicken parm, and I, I, I think that's when we realize, well, people do kind of watch this little TV show. Yeah, and Ray's like, great, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. That's awesome. Honestly, and this happens, pretty soon, you know, your personality becomes what you are on TV, not that I was a player. And there were people that I, I'm, I'm sure they knew I played, but they knew me because <laughs> right. I spilled chicken parm. Right. And right. I'm if like, only well, the commissioner knew that you, you played, Ray. If only Commissioner Bettman knew that you played the NHL, then you'd really be happy. That 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 would have been nice. What, that would have been nice. Explain that. What happened? You are... in Atlanta. <laughs> hey, no, no, we were in Atlanta, and I'm sure he wasn't expecting to run into any players. Uh-huh. And we were at a hotel, and I was talking to Gary for a few minutes, and I realized he had no idea who I was. <laughs> well, I mean, by that time, I'd only played 15 years. Right, I would have thought right. somewhere, maybe, but I, I could tell. And I was like, oh, boy, I'll just move along. Yeah, yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, he, still, he still calls me Bookie Grass, so that's okay. Yeah, really, <laughs> right? Enough, eh? But now, yeah. Booch, because you, know who you, guys, you guys did the, uh, did the World Cup and you got to call play-by-play, which I know is something you love to do. Now you're now you're back around again, and that's and I think the one thing that you know you were talking about being nimble, to be a good broadcaster, it's something you got to love it, and you love it, so you got to do it this year, which has got to be a little yeah, well, had to be some juice, uh, yeah. Today, eh? yeah, welcome back, uh, Bucci, welcome yeah, back, yeah, that that was a huge honor, just yeah, to be ESPN back in the game, thinking from team first, that was really cool, and then to do those games and to, to call an NHL players, and and uh, I was really nervous and and. Uh, 
and but I was so excited and it went well and 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 I was really happy and it was just it's great. Now we're in the college season. I'll be doing some college games coming up at Penn State and uh, Michigan this week. Um, so it's fun to get back. Yeah, play by play is something I want to do more in the future. Uh, I want to start to begin that pr- transition now um, to do games, to do play by play, and obviously for hockey. And so I'm hoping that opportunity comes up here uh, more in the future. And uh, but at least for ESPN to do the national championship game, which I've done the last four, mm-hmm. and do a few regular do a few regular season games to add the World Cup this year for a week. Yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, the, the World Cup. I mean. Are we going to have another one? Do we all think that it's going to happen again? Well, I, think I don't you know. Right well, you know, I guess they weren't happy with the revenues, huh, Ray? And, I, and that's going to be yeah. part of it. I saw that. Yeah. But but if they if they if they're not happy with the revenues, I mean, they, don't you have to take a look at it and say, okay, it was the first time, it yep. was all in one city, which is never, which I can't believe is a great idea, because right. you're asking the same people to pay all the money for the tickets. And if you move like the preliminary round into one city or two cities and then the finals in somewhere else, then you can that's when you can really make the revenues uh sing. I think that's mm-hmm. the first thing. The second is we'll probably find out if there's another World Cup pretty shortly because of the Olympic participation. And if they don't go to the Olympics, then there's another World Cup. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. And I, I know there's all kinds of views on the Olympics. Um, wh- what's your boots like? Do you think they like? I think they should go. Um, I know they have to shut down the season for for two weeks, but they don't lose games. And your players are on an event that is watched worldwide. Never mind worldwide. We'll just say into North America more than your NHL broadcasts are. So to me, there is advertising there that maybe isn't directly dollared. I think they should go. What about you? Yeah, it's, uh, obviously you know, the, the, the TV time zone and when these games will be on live is less than ideal. And I think yeah. that is a factor that they should take into consideration if they want to do it. They have the leverage to almost get what they want in terms of cost because it is one of the most important parts of the winter games. The winter games are small. It's not quite like the summer, and, and they need hockey. Hockey's, uh, it, it's a big event for them, and I, I assume they do pretty well. How they'll do well way over there, I don't know. But And, and, and then the final analysis, if, if the players really want to go, and it is kind of a 50-50 league, and there's no league without the players, there's no hockey without the players, if they really want to go, and like you said, it's not terrible. You don't lose games. People, the fans do love it. You have a huge, big chance for a big upside of a USA Canada gold medal game or, or whatever. Um, that, that can always give you a good moment. The Salt Lake City game, I still remember the feeling of watching that game. And, and there's other game that TJ Oshie moment, just coming from a USA hockey standpoint, mm-hmm. you have a chance to produce moments. And you're not going to get that with the Hurricanes and Panthers in February. It won't happen. So, yeah, you, I agree. A chance to produce moments, and if the players really want it, I think that they should. Uh, I think they should uh, do that. I, uh, There's one other thing to that. I would say too is Ovechkin says he's going. <laughs> he did. Whether the players don't go or not. So let's just take this from Washington standpoint. So Ovi says I'm going. What do they do? Because if Ovi goes, what do you think Nick Backstrom's going to say? And if Nick Backstrom's going to go, what's John Carlson going to do? That's just on one team. Mm-hmm. Like it is a hornet's right. nest. It is a hornet's nest for them. And I don't say you just go to appease these types of situations that are probably going to pop up, you know, which would be led by, by Ovechkin if he's, cause he's the guy most definitively saying he would play. But he won't. In the end, he would not go. There's no, I know what he's saying that now, but there's no way, like you said, Ray, as a captain, he can go cause a domino effect where the team goes 0-5-1 while he's at the Olympics. Um, and uh, and other guys, it just I, in the end he he wouldn't go. Someone would get to him. Someone would talk to his own his own brain would talk to him. Common says he sense says he just can't do it. See, I, you're you're right. Except I've I've been to Russia three times now. That's a different place. <laughs> all know that. And, and and so they like for example the Washington lost the next morning. Ovechkin's on a plane to Russia to play. Like, they oh, stepped yeah. off the plane and played. Like, it's just, it's a different, it's a different mindset. I just, I just think there's a better solution 
um, than what they're kicking around right now. And to be to be debating this over ten million dollars of insurance and travel yeah. costs to me is is very short sighted. Wow. Like they've got to be able to make they've got to be able to make a deal over that amount of money. Gary said he would extend it by three years. We'll go, guys. Just oh, good for him. <laughs> so let's extend a deal You're that, right. oh, by the way, the players are going to get about 1.5% of their 15.5% escrow back. Yeah, yeah. Great. Oh, we could extend that? Let's do it. <laughs> I got to say, in regards to the World Cup, uh, I know the ratings weren't terrific, um, but it was the first one. And Olympics or not, I, I do think, and I know I'm not just saying this because Bucci Gross is on the phone, NHL getting back with ESPN is a good thing. NBC Sports has a good job. No doubt there's nothing ratings-wise, power-wise, reach-wise of ESPN. And if, you're, if you want to be taken a little more seriously and bring in a little more revenue, you got to get with ESPN. I, I really believe that. So... Make that happen. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to televise. Tell ESPN. We'll just get, just televise anything. Just please put us on. That's where I think. I think yeah, and I, I think the multi-city thing that Ray talked about, if you had a USA-Canada game in Columbus or Pittsburgh or Buffalo, it would be like a Super Bowl. The place would be packed. It would be so – there would be so much juice in the arena. Um, you know, Toronto, it's just, they've seen a lot. It's a mm-hmm. huge city. It, it was beautiful weather. It was September. But if you took this around to some of these places, Nashville, um, some of these, it would just be gigantic to have a Team USA play in those kind of markets. You would sell. You would do better with revenue, I think. I really do believe that. Um, okay, so, so let me stretch this one more point. Is that, so to make it more interesting, one of the things I think has to happen is, and, and, and where I know we're on the same page on this, is people go to games to cheer. It would be nice if scoring wasn't at an all-time low. So they, you can't say the players are bigger, faster, younger, better than they've ever been, which is all true, and not have any goals. So how do we get more offense into the game? We all have ideas. You've well, got a couple cool ones. The, it's 2.67 goals per game right now uh, through the first 329 games. It is at the lowest point um, since before the lockout. Uh, we had 2.57 the year before the lockout. Yeah, per team, right? Yeah, yeah, per, per game. Um, yeah. And uh, that's brutal. That, that needs to change. Yeah, I, I wrote a column on it recently. Um, people want to stand up and cheer. Uh, fighting always gave an arena juice. You know, I'm I'm pretty much in the middle with fighting. I never look away. I don't think you need it, but it did cause a lot of people to stand and cheer, and it was, for the most part, safe. It was amazing. We never had a catastrophic injury with bare-knuckle fighting on ice and blades. Obviously, there's been discussions about the, the long-term effect for those who fought a lot and how that contributed uh, to any of their situations, um, if there was a direct line or not. Um, so... And in my mind, I just don't see how you can improve scoring if you don't make the net a little bit bigger. That's my number one thing. That, to me, that's just that's mm-hmm. natural. All these shots that hit the post, I'm talking like an inch or two. All these shots that hit the post, and we see maybe two or three, sometimes four or five a game, they'll just be going in. That's all. Whether so what, you if can the make post more... booch, what if the post was just teardrop-shaped? So those I shots... That, I, I think about that, but I'm, I'm thinking surface area is surface area. The puck, for the most part, is shot like a Frisbee. It's. I guess that. I guess you could do that. You know, what's the safety to make anything kind of more pointless, rounded? Uh, I just think surface area, surface area. But I guess if, if you know, if people are smarter than me, engineers and and scientists and geometry majors. If some of those can go bar down or, or bar over, and you do get them more, okay. I, you know, I guess I'd have to see that. Let's see what, what the AHL tried. I would love to see the AHL be more of a chemistry lab and a beaker to try things. Whether we do Absolutely. four on four the last five minutes of each period, whether or a you know, whether we try some things to make that happen. But to me, it starts with the net size. And from there, like I said, I'll listen. I think power plays starting as four on three would be interesting because you'd have less clog lanes and less fewer block shots. And then as a guy comes out of the box, you have a chance for some four on four till the first whistle. When the power play team gets a penalty, then you have some in-game three on three. And, man, there are moments when these three-on-three games are just unbelievable. The arena goes nuts. Yeah, All night long, people yeah. are sitting on their hands, and then suddenly they go nuts. The, the best World Cup moment was Sweden, North America, three-on-three. You know, I still get goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, so is there a way we can kind of recreate that without being too obviously contrived to create those moments 
um, during the game, during the 60-minute game. And I think four-on-three power play is one way to do that. Coincidental minors here, you know, then guy comes on the ice and you got four-on-four for a while. you got some space. But then you get back to five-on-five because, man, you see, when when a team pulls a goalie and there's five guys collapsing on the goalie at the end of the game, I'm amazed anybody (laughs) scores. They do, but wow, there's so many. Hey, Bucci, I know you saw this. I know you saw this, Steve. I, I don't know if you did. Crosby scored the tying goal the other night. Uh, with about yep. 14 seconds mm-hmm. left. Yeah. There was an overhead view. Of the 11 skaters on the ice, <laughs> 10 were in the picture. I don't know where the other guy was, but 10 were in there. And Crosby just kind of reached in, he pulled it out of the guy's feet and, and scored. Yep. But I thought, if that puck had gone to the point, wherever the other guy was, to shoot it, right. it had no chance of getting yeah. through. It was going to hit something. And and I I mentioned today to a hockey executive, a guy that um, has some significance in the game, and I mentioned the four-on-three power play, Booch, and he Mm. was really intrigued. He's like, Mm. you know what? Never even really thought of it. Um, It would be different, but when you think of it, you're not taking something from the game and creating uh, something that would offend whatever the history of the game is. Right. Because it's just part of it. So why does a yeah. power play have to be what it is? It used to be different. Yeah, it, was it used a, to yeah. be a full two minutes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they changed it. So why not? And hockey, why not? Yeah, and hockey, and hockey used to have a rover, and they, and they took that right. out. So then, you know, and then we went five-on-five five skaters. And, you know, the, the baseball lowered the miles. Football made it harder to defend the pass. Popularity exploded for college and the NFL. Look at look how popular the, the college football is now. The giant ratings it gets in the NFL. Um, you know, basketball adds a three point line. I don't like three point line per se, uh, but for the most part, it does create exciting moments, and that's what I'm looking to do. Just create some exciting moments without take, taking the, taking away from the game. And humans are bigger, humans are faster, yep. and the net remains the same size. And Ben Bishop and all these guys getting big. And humans are only going to get bigger. Evolution says so that we just keep getting bigger. You know, James Madison was five five. Donald Trump's got a size eight head. You know, it's just uh, that, that's what's happening. <laughs> happens with our presidents. It happens with our goalies. Happens with our supermodels. Happens with our uh, female volleyball players. You know, they're now six five mm-hmm. and these amazing athletes. So it's just evolution. And at some point, you just got to, I think, increase that scoring size just a little bit. I, I'm down with whatever. Whatever they want to do to increase scoring, we 100% need it in the NHL. I would start, and Ray and I touched on this a couple shows ago, John, I'd start with the goalie equipment. There's no damning, there's no worse evidence than that wall photo from whatever, 89 to, you know, 96. Right. Um, I'd go massively on the goalie equipment. I know they're going to complain. Yep, I, I'm okay with that I, because, like you said, that could increase the surface size of the net, and we should have the technology and safety to do that. I would think They're, so, absolutely. They are right now working again on that, well, still on that. Um, the fact that they can't come up with the parameters for what is legal and what isn't is really quite frustrating. But I it would is. say by the time next season rolls around, uh, the goalies won't look the same. Yeah, the, why can't their that, torsos... Yeah, why can't yeah. their torsos look like a linebacker's? Where the, the, yeah. The, yeah, the, the, absolutely. the jersey is pressed against their body. They don't need a triple XL. They, they should have a spandex jersey of some sort, maybe slightly looser than spandex, over their equipment. There's no the, – the, the jersey doesn't protect them. It, you it know what you hear from the goalies? Size. You hear from the goalies, you know, that they've got to be protected. And, of course, nobody says they shouldn't be. Of course, yeah. But they'll say, the, yeah. they'll say, yeah, I got hit with a shot and my gear um, – and it hurt. Like, I felt it. It hurt. And all I can think of is – Oh, really? When <laughs> yeah, I used to get right. hit against the boards, it hurt. hurt. Right. Like that, <laughs> it, I, was, I felt protected by my gear, but it still hurt. Um, like, yep. that's, it, there's going to be, there can be trade-off to feeling it as opposed to non-protection. There's no way those guys should be unprotected. The sticks shoot the puck Correct. way harder than they've ever shot them. They should be protected as much as they possibly can be. Right, what, and what that's why I go to now. the bigger net. That's why I go to the bigger yeah. net all the time, Ray. It's yeah. just because, yeah. okay, if you got concern about safety, right. I'll give you that. Okay, but we just got to make the surface area bigger. Whether it's with a spandex top 
of some sort and to, to make that net a little bit bigger for shoulders and for uh, underneath the arms. But right. So if you're concerned about that, and if, if we're not going to make progress on that, we can't come to an agreement then say, fine, here's what we're going to do. But, but there needs, this is unacceptable. Six, a six to four hockey game is 42 to 28 in football. If a goal is a touchdown, if a goal is a touchdown, what's wrong with 42-28? Is that yeah? You know, that's we, great. we have 76 to 65 college football uh, games. There aren't protests. The, you know, those for that first week of the season games yeah. matter. That first week of the season was glorious. But Ray, yeah. you called it. Ray, you said it. You're like, just wait. Don't worry. <laughs> it's going down. Yeah. And going down and going down, and it's so. I do a lot of the Leafs games, and so I, lucky. I You're get so lucky, absolute Ray. joy out of watching Mitch Marner play. Well, I didn't think he was going to be this good. He's like, I'm not going to say he's the same, but he's like Patrick Kane. He gets the puck, and you think something great is going to happen. I agree. Yeah. So why can't that have a better chance? Because a one nothing game, I know people will say, oh, there's, there's great one nothing games. Yeah, and there's 98% of them suck. <laughs> you go to the rink, you pay 150 bucks, you want to cheer. Yep. Um, well, that, hey, John, that becomes the bottom line. We'll let you go, John. We we thanks for your time on the Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. I just have one last thing. You uh, you certainly know people at ESPN.com, right? The .com people. Yeah, I've been okay. to call them out today on why can, I think Alex Ovechkin will break Wayne Gretzky's scoring record. Plug oh, hashtag come on, plug. Really? Um, ES, ESPN.com mm. NHL page hashtag plug. Okay, that's my point. Before we let you go. I'm yeah. looking at ESPN.com. This frustrates me to no end. You, on the top bar, it says NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, NCAAF football, soccer, NCAAM. I don't even know what NCAAM means. Um, is that men's? Men? I, I don't know. Men's, basket, yeah, men's okay. basketball. But, Bucci, you got to go to the to the little appendix thing to even get the NHL on the top bar of sports to go to. we got to get NHL in the top bar. On the site, I agree. I don't know why they can't go one more over. One more. It's the NHL. It. It's a big deal. I, I, I don't know if that's based on traffic or wow. not. And so they, you know, the most visited sites get the top five right there. I don't know that, but we got to serve to serve the customers to serve the viewers. I agree. We got to just go six. Just go six across and add hockey. Thank you. It, it, it's easy. It's a major sport, everybody. It's a major sport. I'm, we can add I'm it. I'm with you. Please uh, go to and read my column on uh, Alex Ovechkin <laughs> today. And how Ovi well, can break Gretzky's goals. ESPN.com, hashtag plug. It comes in today? It's on right now. Okay. How Ovi can break Gretzky's goal mark. That's the, that's the headline. Awesome. And I project, I'm project for the rest of his 30s what he needs to do. And it's not outlandish. Doesn't need another 50-goal season. I kind of think it is. Um, I'm going to have to read your column. It sounds outlandish. Outlandish. Yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like a, good, uh, a good podcast uh, topic. Yeah, yes, it would be. We'll have to get it on again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks for your time. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. to Ireland, Booch. I'm, I'm getting my ticket today, Raymond. There we go. There we are. That summer trip. Awesome. All right, boys. All thanks right. for having me. Thank you. Thanks, Butch. ESPN's John Butchigross on the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show with Ray Ferraro. I just, it was exciting for me, Ray, to get you two reunited, um, you know, ESPN tonight. That was great. Well, okay, here's the thing. So in talk, and I hope people realize, like, Bucci loves the game immensely. Yes. And he's a real creative mind. The What I find happens a lot is a lot of the most creative ideas get dismissed out of hand by quote unquote hockey people. And that's crazy. I would agree. Yeah. Because what if what if one of those ideas that you've never thought of actually works? Like I'm telling you that I never have thought about the four on three power play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? There would be more power play goals. You're like, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> but yeah. John never played. Yeah. But so what? What does it matter? Right. It only helps our game get better. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, let's touch on a few more topics before we uh, before we got to let you go. You're calling the Leafs Oilers tonight uh, in Edmonton at the New Rink. Um, so the big news was Gerard Gallant got fired, uh, coach of the Florida Panthers. Lots of talk about this. He had a 103 point season last year. He was in the he was in the running for the for the Jack Adams Trophy for Coach of the Year. Tom Rowe, the GM, uh, is now the coach. And I guess Ray, this goes back to. Dale Talon, the somewhat successful GM of the team getting reassigned last year. New owners come in. Um, 
The players apparently were shocked. The team was, you know, it was a 500 team to start this year. Where do you stand on this Gerard Gallant firing? I mean, I guess it was just bound to happen, huh? Well, management can fire their coach at any time. Yes. It happens all the time. Good coaches, bad coaches. It doesn't, there's no distinction, you know. Guys get fired because they haven't, their teams haven't performed or they have disagreements with management. And that's really the base of, of what happened in Florida is the, the ownership group um, has a way that they built their company that made them billions of dollars on Wall Street, and it was a very heavy analytical approach. Mm-hmm. They feel they can take that similar approach and apply it to hockey. And they bought the team, and they're implementing their way. Now, time will tell whether it can be done or not. But they've, you know, you know they, they moved aside Dale Talon, um, and yet they signed Keith Yandel this summer to a seven-year deal. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, six of the players that they've signed through the 2021 season, six of them are Talon players, right? players Dale acquired. Yep. Now, there isn't a black or white player that fits the ownership's way and Dale Talon's way, which if that represents old school, if mm-hmm. you will. But there, you know, the, the players, you can be good analytically and good in old school way what you what where the conflict is is analytics will tell you players are very effective players that older school people won't agree with and the analytical people the way that i've um kind of come around to understand the people that use analytics exclusively feel it's the whole puzzle Mm -hmm. where i feel it's just one part of the puzzle and so that really, therein lies the differences that Gallant had with management. He wanted some bigger players. Mm-hmm. They wanted some smaller, more, um, I guess, better, you know, more mobile players. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, was, that had to do with the Branson trade. Um, you know, uh, that had to do with a couple of role players that they brought in. And so you're right. It was inevitable at some point it was going to happen. I... I suspect it probably would have been better for everyone had it happened in August and not well, now. Well, they gave him a, a two-year extension, right? Why? Yes. Why would they do that if they knew this was? That's that's the part where I'm like, wait a minute. Well, everyone's saying, ah, it was coming, it was happening, it was, it was, it was. You know, Doug McLean, who, who's certainly used to coach and GM, good buddy of Gallant. I was listening to him on on Hockey Central, and he's like, yeah, it was, it was coming, it was coming. I'm like, but wait, they gave him an extension. They don't just want to throw away two million dollars. But, but. I don't know who gave him the extension, to be honest. I don't know if it was the new ownership group. I don't know if it was Dale Talon before he was moved aside. So, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know that answer. True. It seems yeah. more likely to me that he got the extension before Talon was pushed aside. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So I thought they had been in power for a couple of years, maybe the new ownership, but maybe but Talon. Dale, yeah. But Dale was still making still, all of the decisions. Sure, sure. That's not the case um, anymore. A lot so of, now uh, you have a coach that's never coached in the NHL outside of being an assistant coach that's going to take over for the rest of the year. Former Whaler, um, too, by the way. Former Whaler. Yes, yep. absolutely. Um, I'll tell you what will help him, uh, analytics or not, is Barkov, their terrific young center, doesn't have a goal in 20 games. Mm-hmm. That would probably help. Huberdeau. Um Getting Jonathan Huberdo <laughs> back from an Achilles injury will probably help. Um, you know, is this finally the year that Yager goes kaput? Because mm-hmm. it's going to happen. When I mean, it's amazing what he's doing, but it's going to happen. Like all those things matter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, now, people, a lot of people upset about the way he was fired. Um, I don't know how this procedure works. Um, there was photos of him, you know, waiting for a cab, and then and then uh, Tom Rowe said that he will be reimbursed for the cab fare. And a lot of uh, media guys took shots at Florida for the way this was handled. And honestly, I'm just I'm curious, like. I mean, everyone has to leave the rink at some time, so what's the big deal about him waiting for a car? I don't get, like, people were really upset. I guess because, you know, it's a little bit of everyone loves Gallant, right? I don't obviously know the dude. There probably is some of that. There probably is some of that for sure. But it was handled, uh, logistically, it was handled very poorly. Okay. I'll tell you what should have happened. Yeah, tell me me how this goes down. Okay, but apparently they offered to get him a car, and he said, to some effect, screw you, I'll get my own cab. <laughs> okay. Okay, so 
But what should have happened is apparently they decided in the middle of the second period when they gave up a, a two-goal lead, they gave mm-hmm. up three goals in five minutes, that, okay, we were going to evaluate at the end of the trip, we're going to do it now, we're going to, we're going to let them go. And that's entirely their prerogative. But as soon as they decide that that decision has been made, the next phone call would be to a car service to say at 9.30, because where, where he got picked up by the cab, mm-hmm. that's at the back of the arena in the loading dock area. Sure, That's yeah. where the bus comes in, that's right. where the players go in. That car should have been ordered at 8 o'clock when they made the decision, if that was the time, and say, be at the rink, at the back door, uh, two men are going to come out, um, and then take them to this hotel. Because they should have arranged for the car, Okay. And booked them the hotel room. Is that like that's that, what normally that would happen? Next, yeah, yeah. That's what normally well, happens. No, that okay. should have, Steve. What normally happens, I'm sure, is different all the time. That should have happened in this case. Okay. And quite frankly, people make mistakes, but they drop the ball on this. Like they they should have had that arranged um, when they made the decision to fire Gallant. Okay. Um, the next call should have been okay. What are the logistics of this? And what's really surprising about that, and this is no shot at anybody, I guess, but well, I guess it is, but I don't mean it to be. I don't mean it to be towards their background. But these guys are from West Point. They're mm-hmm. military. The military prides itself in organization. True. That yep. was that was not handled. That was not handled correctly. He can go get a cab. He's got enough money. He can get a cab. That's fine. But from a professional standpoint, that car should have been waiting at the back. Okay. They should have had, here, you know, we've, we've made the decision to fire you. That's the way it goes. I mean, that's yeah, why coaching that, that is a happens, real tough right. yeah, yeah. And when you walk out, they're going to take you to this hotel uh, because your flights will be tomorrow morning, and here are your flight numbers. That all should have been done in, from the middle of the second period to the end of the third period. I've booked a flight in 10 minutes. They had plenty of time to get that all arranged. Right. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, some people were saying, hey, why didn't they fire him, fire him the next day? In Chicago, they had an off day. But to me, that's almost as bad. You fly the guy to Chicago and then say you're out? Well, I, because I you would be going on the charter. Yeah. And, and now, so, you know, they were, they were in Carolina. Do you think he wants to fly... That's what I'm saying, right? Backwards across the country to fly back. No, forget it. He that's what. Want to yeah, that. that's why I'm like, hey, I get the timing of it, but and I didn't know how that worked, and, and I felt like a lot of the media guys were taking a little bit of unnecessary shot. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, like handle it better. Here's your car. Here's your ticket. Yeah, right. I mean, they're absolutely their prerogative to make the coaching change, mm-hmm. and that's the way that's the way the business goes. But certain things can be done better. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. Um, that leads me into the next uh, topic. Well, first of all, do you think – okay, so Tom Rowe goes in, the GM goes in. He's not the GM anymore. They're going to uh, share responsibilities. Does Talon get bumped back or no? No. No. Um, so does Tom Rowe have success? I mean, I guess if Barkov stops, starts scoring and he also well, needs – right? Yeah, I mean, that'll help him. Right. Right? I mean, like the – you know, I, I, I assume what's going to happen is they're – There'll be a couple of player moves. Um, uh, maybe some players will be deployed differently because there was a um, there was certainly a disconnect between the way Gallant was using players and what the Panthers wanted. Um, so there'll be a couple of guys that might be moved around differently. Um, will he be successful? I don't know. There there were a hundred point team last year. Three of their top five defensemen from last year are no longer there. I felt at the beginning of the year this was a step back year for them a little bit mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I doubted that Yager was going to be able to perform the same way, um, and I thought they would miss the cohesiveness of that blue line. Um, and maybe it won't prove to be that way, mm-hmm. but I still think that way. I, one thing, and we'll t- last thing to touch on, the analytic people, I get it. Uh, you know, hey, let's put the guys that drive possession on the wing together or all on a line together and blah, blah. I get that. But when you're behind the bench, like, Ray, and you, you, you played for a long time, you know this, um, some days you just don't have it as a player or you went all night on a bender and for whatever reason you're not feeling as well. Um, that happens, and that's the human part where the coach is like, look, you know, this guy doesn't have it. He's not feeling that well. I know he went out last night for whatever reason. Or different things happen. And the coach on the yep. bench goes, 
I'm not putting him out right now. That guy doesn't bring his A game. And sure, his his course he's great, but on that night in Carolina, he went out the night before, or he's going through a divorce, or whatever. Or he's having a crappy night. Sure, that's where the part where these guys don't get it, where the coach behind the bench kind of has the the pulse of the team, right? There is a um, there is a gut feel to what coaches have to decide mm-hmm. in game. They don't have time to pour over information. They're seeing what they see, and they know they've got their plan going into the game about how they'd like it to look, but sometimes that plan gets dumped on its ear in the first three minutes. Right, right. And, and they are coaching out of their rear end for the rest of the night. And some guys adjust better. Some guys make in-game adjustments better than others. Um, you know, Joel Quenville is, is one that makes as many um, adjustments in-game as any coach, and he's got a real feel for it. He really does. Um, and it's not just about Hosa and Kane and Taves. It's about guys moving around lower in the lineup, whoever's most effective that night. And analytics can't tell you that on a particular night. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think analytics are a piece of the puzzle, not the whole puzzle. Right. Um, speaking of fired coaches, uh, Guy Boucher, uh, um, I thought maybe – a little bit of a surprise firing. He led the team to the Eastern Conference Finals one year in Tampa Bay. He had a so-so second season. The third season, he was right around 500, I believe, and he got let go. And we all saw the video. Remember the uh, the neutral zone trap? We just talked about scoring with Bucci Gross. Well, Guy Boucher is our enemy in a little bit because of remember that video where the, the Flyers wouldn't or the Tampa Bay wouldn't cross the uh, the red line. Um, yeah, they just stood back in their <laughs> trap. But that's that was Philadelphia having. You know, like trying to make their point. And yeah, and Tampa stubbornly staying where there was. Everybody criticized Boucher, but that was the way they played. Yeah, they just didn't like it. And you bad. know what? That goes into is what's going on right now in Ottawa. Seven two and one in their last ten. Fourteen seven and one. They're in a playoff spot. I I look at their roster and I'm like, oh geez, because I saw enough for years. And Bobby Ryan hasn't exactly broken through. But hey, they're they can't score right now. But that's okay because they're not letting anything in. This guy can coach. He can coach. Uh, they're, last year they were uh, very passive defensively. They wanted to be more aggressive. Um, they wanted to get the puck out of the other team's hands quicker. Um, they spent most of the first month and a half of training camp in the early part of the season uh, working on their systems, mm-hmm. uh, working on their defensive play. And it's really, I, I think, um, you know, it, it's helped them. Yet at the same time, they've kind of lost the balance from offense to defense. Mm-hmm. And I think as the year goes on, they will, they'll get closer to a, a more balanced game. Um, it also helps that that's a, that team's almost entirely back from last year. And so everybody it, uh, had the opportunity uh, outside of Eric Carlson, I believe, to, uh, to train together in training camp. Mm-hmm. Lots of teams didn't have that. Uh, the Senators have been... You know, their group has been together. They had very few decisions to make, and I think that's helped them a little bit out of the gate. Um, they check well. Their penalty killing has, um, has not been um, anything short of sensational. Mm-hmm. Um, their power play's not been very good, but they win by preventing. They don't win by creating. Um, I think their their goal is to have some more balance to that by, you know, as the season goes on. I haven't watched a ton of their games, only, only a few – is Carlson buying in then? Has he changed his game? Do you have you watched enough? Carlson's been. I've I've done I don't know six or seven games. He's been phenomenal because he's, uh, he used to be in the I corner. Think he's, a, he's a maestro on the ice. <laughs> right. He is a, a maestro with the puck. Um, he leads the league in block shots. Uh, his shifts are shorter. Um, I the people that criticize him, I think, will criticize him all the time, and they'll never come around to to truly liking him as a player. Mm-hmm. I think he's I think he's every bit as unique a player mm-hmm. as Dustin Bufflin is. Right, right. Totally different. Yeah. But yeah. but Brent Burns, Dustin Bufflin, Eric Carlson, they are totally unique players. And Carlson has been been phenomenal in the in the first twenty two or three games. So he's bought in a little bit. He has he curtailed some of his adventures out there because Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But he's He's able like to get the other back. night in yeah. New York, he blocked a shot, um, took the puck off the block shot, jumped up and led the three on two. There's not many defensemen <laughs> right, doing that. Right, right. Uh, speaking of Burns, uh, news this week, he got an extension. Uh, 
that's what you have to do in the NHL now. But that is going to be an ugly deal later on. But I guess Doug Wilson won't be there and whatever. Well, I, but, you know what, Steve? I think it's got a chance to be less an ugly deal than some of the other ones yeah. that are going to end around age 40. Okay. Because I, I just – look, it's too long for me and too much money, but really what choice did Doug Wilson have? You don't. Yeah, you have to do you it. You don't. You've got to get him signed. Yep. Um, but Brent Burns is a little bit of a freak. And I think physically – he will be able to be effective as he gets older, even though it might not be to $8 million effective. Mm-hmm. But I think he will be able to to still be a noteworthy player for several years past what a lot of people think this deal will, will be good at. Isn't it amazing that Duncan Keith is only making $4 million? You know, he signed that 12-year deal before it was kind of changed, and he's got to be just pissed. Well, he's... Um, he left a lot of money on the table, but oh, he also he? took 12 years of security. Yeah, did he ever. Uh, you know what, though? Um, I got this advice when I signed my contracts and um, uh, from my agent, and uh, he said, the second you sign your contract, don't look at anybody else's, because when you write your name on the paper, you're mm-hmm. happy. Right. So don't look at what anybody else does. You, you, know, you, made, you made the decision, and good or bad, you're gonna, you know, that's what you got, and Keith should do the same thing. Did he ask you why you wanted to sign with Atlanta Thrashers as a free agent when you had nope. a pick of teams? I did not have a pick of teams. You didn't? I was four, nope. I was four knee surgeries in, and um, I got a two-year deal in Atlanta and a one-year deal elsewhere. And um, oh, so you to went, me, it was, I'm surprised. It was okay. pretty easy. All right. So you went security way. You're like, all right, two years. Well, yeah, yeah. because I didn't know how my knee was going to be. <laughs> right, right. Um, I'm surprised, right? Because you were still a useful player, very useful scorer guy. But then again, I didn't know about these knees, and everyone else probably did, right? So. Yeah, that was probably, <laughs> um, you know, my, my last year in L.A. was injury-riddled, mm-hmm. and that's just uh, just what I had to deal with. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights, no loss. The video, I watched it live, uh, or not, live on TV. I didn't go down there. I was... I was actually watching that Canes-Leaf game. I should have went down there because yeah. nothing happened in that, in that game. But um, what do you think of the name and the colors and the shield and all that? Well, I don't, I don't know about the Vegas versus Las Vegas. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I would have used Las Vegas, but if he tells me that's what the Vegas <laughs> residents call it, yeah. it's still their team. Sure. You know, so I'm okay with that. Golden Knights, meh. Sure. Yeah. Fine. Whatever. I like the logo. I think the logo was awesome. Yeah, I agree. And I think you know I haven't seen the. Have you seen the full jersey yet? No, no. There's some mock-ups and stuff online, but yeah, n- nobody knows that. That's yeah, for sure. I'm looking yeah. forward to that because I think the colors are terrific. Yeah. And I think it'll really pop. Uh, I, I mean, short of the video not working, I mean, yeah. I, did you I hear about that? Really did, you, did you hear about that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's um. <laughs> <laughs> way it goes, I guess. Yeah, that's a tough deal to start your your franchise. That's oh, uh, but you know, I mean, deal. just think they must have rehearsed that thing a hundred uh, times, and you know, it worked every time. Yeah, you had one, you had one job. That's the saying, right? You have one job. Yeah. Could you imagine the guy that had the one job? He's like, oh, are you kidding me? Uh, all right, let's get some emails here before we wrap it up. Paul Pocky uh, podcast with Ray Ferraro. Uh, uh, we're doing well, right? iTunes ranked and everything else. People are enjoying it. Good feedback. So. Cool. Hopefully you're enjoying it, uh, doing this. All right, this is from Cole. Uh, hey, I, uh, I'm from Canada. I'm originally from Thunder Bay. I grew up on the same road as those farm boys in the NHL, the Stahl brothers. Was it a smart move of Carolina to let Eric Stahl go? He seems to be playing well. And uh, and this guy. And then he says, hey, by the way, Steve, I'll meet you at the Hall of Fame before the Supercross and tag along with you. So, oh, okay. He wants to tag um, along with me the Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, I thought they had to move on from Stahl. Yep. Uh, they got two second-round picks for him. Uh, he went to the Rangers, and and nothing happened. Um, he's had a great – well, not great. He's had a very good start in Minnesota. Um, but they had to move on from Stoll, mainly because if they were going to sign him, it was going to be something that was significant, mm-hmm. and they wanted to turn that team over to their younger players. Yeah, he, he – uh, I'm surprised Boudreaux hasn't really got that team to score. And that's what he does. But, yeah, well, you it, know? maybe he doesn't have the personnel to score. I know. Uh, get true. Which is probably the problem. Uh, email from Chris. Uh, he's a Coyotes fan. Shane Doan's production isn't leading any lists, and he looks to be a step off the pace. Generally speaking, how important is a player like Shane to such a young team on and off the ice as well as the community relations? So how do you balance 
a, a guy like maybe Doan or, or Iggy. I think Iggy's a slow starter anyways. But how do you balance like, hey, it's, you're, you're such an icon, but you're not playing that well? Well, for both of them, I think the same thing is happening. They're both 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And the game is faster, and it is harder to, to become a, a productive player or to be a productive player. Um, yeah, they are. You know, he is important. Doan is in Phoenix. Uh, for the Coyotes, just to, um, you know, as a, you can be a mentor, you can lead by example, but eventually you have to, and he knows, you have to produce. Mm-hmm. And uh, otherwise, be a coach. And so for both of them, again, and Doan, the challenge is, can they have a, a good second quarter of the season to balance out a poor first quarter? But Iggy is a slow starter, normally, so... Yeah, but th- th- see, that's great. He is. Yeah. But he's also forty. <laughs> right. Like eventually, it's just not going to work. You're very harsh, Ray. These are these are icons. No, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I don't care. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Hall of Famer. Shane Doan's going to be in the Hall of Fame too, I assume. No, Doan's not a Hall you don't of Famer. Think so? No, 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 no. He's going to score over 400 goals. Yes. I mean, what'd you get? 408. Right there, you go. Wendell had 367 or something. Yeah, so, so Doan's past Wendell. Right. Man, he's not a Hall of Doan's not a Hall of Famer. Iggy is though. Well, Iggy is without yes, question. Yes, without question. But eventually you just Yeah. You just don't. But if you're Wayne Gretzky scored nine goals in his last year. Yeah. If you're the coach, if you're Tay Tippett, is somebody who you know well, you played with him, um, do you roll a guy out like like this doesn't apply to Iggy because he's on his fourth team, I think. But a guy like Donor, do you do you keep rolling him out because of who he is and he's got the C, and how do no. you handle that? You don't. You just say, he hey. Pass this year? Yeah. No, it's like if he can't, if he can't, he can't. Right? That's, yep. you know, that's why sports are the best reality show of all time because there's no BS to it. It's either you can or you can't. Interesting, yeah. Um, all right. Um, last thing. Is there any way you know I do I do these podcasts on the on the the motocross side and uh, my buddy does the play by play for NBC Sports for the for the races on NBC Sports and we always throw in like a word of the day that he throws in the broadcast our listeners really seem to like it is there any way we can get this word of the day going for you on the broadcast Yeah unless it's ridiculous Can we I was thinking we could start with like an ex player if you could squeeze an ex player's name in there like an old NHL player into a broadcast no, it's easy. I'm in Edmonton today. I could. Yeah, but but you know, what if we give you someone like? Uh, can you throw? Um, hmm. No. Let me, let me think. Wendell Clark's name in there. No. So you can't do that. No, not because. Well, you, that's the challenge. You have to challenge. We're challenging no, you. We're it, because it's your crush of Wendell Clark <laughs> that I won't do. Could you throw Rick Vives' name in there? If somebody scores a slapper from the wing, absolutely. Well, this is the challenge. You have to do it. You have to squeeze it in. You can't just when it works. No one's no one's going to score on a slapper from the wing anyway. Well, that's what Rick Vives did. <laughs> I did. You're right. Uh, um, all right, we're going to listen for Rick Vives tonight. We'll see if you can get it in. Um, thanks for getting. Will be a challenge. It will be. Thanks for getting Bucci Gross on. Always good to have him on. Thanks for him for coming on. And uh, and uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy the game tonight in Edmonton, Ray. Um, thanks, buddy. Talk soon. You bet. Thanks. See ya. Enjoy, it, people.